0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Just as 8 verse 12 remember the whole book of romans is about the fact that it's about god's righteousness being revealed by faith that the only way that we can know truly christ is by faith and faith alone nothing else helps nothing else does anything but it's christ alone by faith alone by grace alone that's the end of it you know that's what the reformers came back and said and that's what we believe because salvation is just pure gift of god right and so as we looked at this book the first three chapters are really the condemnation and in chapters four we start to see how we can be saved chapter five we see our eternal security and in chapter six he talks about putting away sin and reckoning reckon yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in chapter 7, Paul talks about the problem about being able to live the Christian life. He says, the things I want to do, I'm not able to do. And then he says, the things I don't want to do, I do those, right? <laughs> and he says, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And that's why when we get to chapter 8, he begins to tell us about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, there's a, the Holy Spirit's only been mentioned one time in seven chapters But now in this 8th chapter, it's about 20 times just in this one chapter. And so he starts out saying there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If we're in Christ, we have asked Christ to forgive us and save us. We are no longer under condemnation. He tells us that the Holy Spirit secures that status. Remember we talked about that, that uh, the Holy Spirit... The moment you believe you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of the redemption of the purchased possession that we've been purchased by jesus on the cross he indwells us and that's like a wedding ring it's a down payment it's a payment that one day he's coming back to get us and he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us and so there's seven ways that the spirit does secures our no condemnation status He frees us from sin and death. He enables us to fulfill the law. He changes our nature. He makes us a new creation. And then in verses 12 and 13, he's going to empower us for victory. And then um, he guarantees our glory in 17 to 25. And in the end of the chapter, it says that he prays for us. So let's start in verse 12 today. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 12 and 13 to start out then. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you will you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So today we're going to see this so then is kind of a follow up. And what does he say here? He, he begins to talk about the things that happen because of what he just said he says therefore remember when you say therefore he's just basically saying because of everything that i just got through saying let's talk about what the implications of that are because of everything i just got through telling you guess what we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh but if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put the deed to put to death the deeds of the body you will live so what does he say here we're under obligation what does this obligation mean it means there's two sides to this number one that god has positionally made us righteous but then practically there's the other side of it that we have to put to death the deeds of the body uh, there's always two sides to everything with god's work god is sovereign but guess what he also makes us responsible right he says that he made a way for everybody to come and nobody can come unless the father draws him but he says whoever wants to drink of the water of life let him come and drink freely right that's our side of it god's sovereign and man is responsible so our part is he's made us positionally holy in the eyes of god now practically we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling so there's a choice to be made to initially choose christ and believe on him and then there's a continuing lifestyle that shows that we're christians that we live by faith every day we begin to put away sin and some people have said and i know this got popular for a period of time about let go and let god and just let god do everything. Well, it'd be nice if we could just lean back in a chair and say, God, do it all. (laughs) Like I said before, that you cannot go to sleep on your Bible at night and uh, expect it to absorb into your brain, right? It doesn't work that way. God says you got to pick it up. You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to pray. You got to begin to live it out, right? That's what happens. We're under obligation. We're under a debt because of what God's done for us remember paul started out this whole book and maybe this is a continuation of what he said in chapter one he says i'm a debtor both to the greeks and to the jews he says because of what god did for me i'm a debtor to everybody god's done so much for me that i'm a debtor to everybody and so when you get to verse 13 he says for if you live according to the flesh you will die but by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live so what is he saying? If you live according to the flesh, if you live for the things of this world, what does first John say? Love not the world or the things in the world, for all this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. But whoever does and whoever does these things is passing away, the world is passing away, but whoever does the will of the Father remains forever. We have this thing in our body called remaining sin. Even though God saves us and forgives us, we still daily have to fight the battle and say, all right, I'm not going to live that way anymore. But the way we do that now is we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do that on our, our own. As we've talked about before and as I was talking to some guys the other night, just say no doesn't work, does it? <laughs> doesn't work. When he says this in verse 13, there's all these conditional ifs. There's 8, chapter 8, verse 9, 10, 11, and 13. And then there's verse 17, two times. There's these ifs. He says, if, or if you live. And like I said, I'm not an English major. My son is. And I don't really understand this, but I wish they would just write what they mean. And this really means, for since you live according to the flesh, you will die. But since you live by the spirit, you will live if you put to death the deeds of the body. So what do we do? Because we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we begin to put to death the deeds of the body. This is what the old guys used to call mortification of the flesh. One guy used to say it this way, you got to be killing sin or it'll be killing you. You remember in the Old Testament when Saul was brought in all these people and God says, kill all the people, kill all the animals, get rid of everything. I think it was Nathan came to him and and he says what's the bleeding of the sheep and what's all this noise I hear and Saul said the people wanted us to bring the best of the animals back to sacrifice to God and and then the prophet says listen God said kill all of it don't bring any of it back that he didn't want it and one of the kings comes up and he and he says isn't the time of death past? and that they had captured the prophet pulls out his sword and he hacks him to pieces that sounds kind of brutal but it's kind of like what jesus said in the new testament he was this guy was a picture of sin and he was killing sin he was killing it remember jesus said in the new testament if you if your right hand causes you to offend cut it off he didn't literally mean cut off your hand right and he said if your right eye causes you to offend pluck it out What he was saying was do whatever it takes to get rid of the sin in your life. And if you don't kill sin in your life, it'll kill you. The wages of sin is death, right? Over and over and over again, we have to put to death the deeds of the the body. And there's three stages of death. There's that spiritual death that happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. We of course know that there's physical death. And then lastly, there's eternal death, that one day those that don't know Jesus Christ are gonna be judged. And what happens then? They're thrown in hell, it's thrown into the lake of fire, and that lasts forever. We don't live this new life on our own, but we live it in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, we've talked about that before over and over, and he says God will works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, right? he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to his power that works in us mightily we're going to kind of talk a little bit about this but we're not quite getting there but when he talks a little bit here in this next section he's going to talk about adoption is what is he going to do here he says for as many as are led by the spirit of god verse 14 these are sons of god he says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, a Father. The spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs with God and join heirs with Christ. And if indeed, we, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So there's three things we want to see about the leading of the spirit and the first thing that he says here is we're going to be led by the spirit the spirit frees us and the spirit speaks to us and tells us the things he wants us to do that's one of the things we've been studying lately with our small group on wednesday nights that how god leads us and and helps us and he leads us as the old song says well, god leads his dear children along right some through the water and some through the Flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. But he leads his dear children along. One of the ways that God confirms our adoption is by his leading. He leads us and he guides us and he directs us. Let's talk about this leading for a second. One of the evidences that that we are being led by the Spirit, and the reason I say we're getting to it but we're not quite there yet, is what does he say back in verse 13? since by the spirit you put the deed put the death the deeds of the body you will live that's one of the evidences of the leading of the spirit is we put the death the sin right we say god comes in and he says marty i want you to quit doing this way i want you to quit talking this way i want you to quit acting this way and we go yes lord and we say by your power lord i don't want to live this way anymore i don't want to do this anymore right that's the leading of the spirit. And that's where God gives us the power to do that. That's why we've been talking about so many times that so many people today I seem like they live defeated lives. They don't live for Christ like they ought to, and they're leading lead miserable lives because they don't understand the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit. We deal with people all the time in these drug facilities, these treatment centers, and they claim they know Christ. But yet they're still living in this horrible sin and addicted to drugs. And my question to them is, are you really saved, number one? And if you are, then why are you still living this way? Because God's given you the freedom and the power to overcome this stuff. And the reason people live that way is because they've not put to death the deeds of the flesh if they're truly saved. Sometimes people don't know they have the power to, I think one guy said if you could keep a christian ignorant about his life then he can be a defeated christian and so the spirit's going to lead us and he's going to guide us but you know what the holy spirit doesn't shove us around does he he doesn't push us he doesn't he doesn't make us do things right but what does he do he lovingly guides us and leads us and sometimes he does chastise us and sometimes he whoops on us but you know he uses all these things to lead us and guide us and change our will that's how he leads us let's talk about a couple of verses this is one of the verses we've been talking about recently with our small group in proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 i'm sure most of y'all know that it says trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will do what he will guide and direct your path, right? He will make your path straight. So if you look unto Him and lead, let Him lead you, He's going to direct our path, right? You can also look in uh, Psalms chapter twenty-five, verse four, and the psalmist says, "Show me Your ways, O Lord; teach me Your paths. Lead me in Your truth and teach me, for You are the God of my salvation. On You I wait all day long." And the response in verse nine. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. So God leads us, God guides us, but we gotta be willing to hear his voice and let him guide us. Psalm 143 verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. He says, you do the leading part and then you teach me to obey the leading. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. And so the prophet is saying, you're going to be going through life and all of a sudden you'll hear a voice behind you and the voice is going to say, this is the way, walk in it, right? And it's not really an audible voice, but it's a a voice of conscience, it's a convicting voice, it's a voice that prompts us to go in the right direction. And sometimes that voice is so small, it's like, I was trying to remember, if it was Isaiah, I was trying to remember the guy that was on the hill, maybe it was Ezekiel, and he said, and the the God wasn't in the wind, and the God wasn't in the earthquake, but there was a still, small voice. And sometimes that still, small voice is so still and so small that sometimes if you're not listening real carefully, what do you do? You miss that voice, right? You can miss it. And when you miss it, guess what? You just missed out on something or else you just did something and got in trouble because God says, go this way, turn right, and you turn left. And I mean, sometimes it can even be as simple as riding down the road and didn't turn right on the road. And God says, why don't you go this way instead? I remember one morning something just said, well, you know, I was thinking, well, I'll go this way instead. Something said, well, you know, you need to go the way you normally go. And then I got struck in traffic about 25 minutes with one of these running things, these marathons where they blocked off everything downtown, right? <laughs> and, I, and then I got stuck between the runners. The policeman let me through, and then I got stuck in the middle of them. And I said, I knew something told me I should have gone down Bay Street like I normally do, and I didn't, and, and I guess I was half awake and didn't really hear the voice, I guess. Guy was saying, Marty, you need to go the way you always go, right? I said I'll just go the other way today, and then I got in a mess. Right? Psalm four, uh, excuse me, Isaiah forty-eight sixteen says, "Come near to hear this. I have not spoke. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that I that it was was. I was there, and now the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. This says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go." And so all of these verses show us that God leads us by spirit and he leads us in two ways. Number one, really by revealing his word is what what we might call the illumination of the word. You might understand that this is not some kind of mystical, weird, crazy thing. But as you read the Bible, what does God do? He speaks to you through it right that's the number one way that he leads you in his will as he he as you read this word of god this bible is not a dead book it is a living book hebrews 4 12 says the word of god is living and active and is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides into the joint and the marrow and the soul and the spirit It, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart right and so the word of god can cut you to pieces the word of god can say hey that thing you're doing quit and it cuts us open and it discerns our thoughts and you know i remember one time i was trying to pray about something and and i was talking to some people and i was getting human advice right and all these people told me something. I said, that just don't quite sound right. So that was a Friday and Monday morning. I was reading and and I got to, the book, I was in the book of Joshua and it felt like the Lord just said, read one more chapter, right? And I was like, I'm ready to get up. I don't feel like reading another chapter. And I kept feeling this prompting and I had to feel it a couple more times. I finally said, okay, I'm gonna read one more chapter. And so I read that one more chapter. And as I read that last chapter, it was talking about Joshua and the Israelites stepping out into the water. And as they stepped out into the water, what did God do? He parted the water, right? But he doesn't part the water until you step into the water. And that's what we call faith. God says, I'm going to lead you and guide you, but you've got to trust me, right? And as you step into the water, then he parts the water. But you know what? If you stand still and don't follow him, you're never going to find out what his will is but you gotta step out. I remember the verse, Proverbs, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? It shows me where to walk, it shows me how to walk, it shows me how to get these places. As we meditate on the word of God, as I read that scripture, I, I realized that this advice these people were giving me to go do this first and then I said, God says, no, Marty, you step out, and then I'm going to make a way. You step out, and then I'm going to make a way for you to do what I've asked you to do. You don't take the advice of men and just go wait on people to do this or wait on people to do that. You take me at my word, and I, when you step out, I'm going to do it. That's what I did, and God bless that. Genesis 40, 41, verse 38 says, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find one such as this, a man in whom there is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Inasmuch as as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and as wise as you. And we know in the New Testament that in Ephesians chapter one, that we pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. And so somehow, some way God leads us and guides us, right? First Corinthians chapter two, verse really, fourteen to in that section over there, he tells us over there, First Corinthians two. He tells us that the natural man does not understand the things of God because they're what? Spiritually discerned, right? In other words, if you don't know the Lord, you can't even really understand this Bible. I've had a guy tell me one time, he saw my Gideon's Bible at work and it was a little small New Testament and he says, I read that all the time and I'm like, oh, this guy's a Christian. And then he began to tell me, I read it every time I'm stressed, every time I'm worried, every time I've got a problem. He says, but you know what? He says, I don't understand a thing it says, but it makes me feel better. That's right. He didn't understand a thing he said. And I've had people tell me, you know, I read my Bible, but I don't understand it. I said, well, are you a Christian? And they go, well, this guy said, I just got saved last week. I said, well, the word's going to begin to open up to you but he says that we that know christ that you know that verse where it says i hadn't seen or ear heard or has entered into the heart of man the things god has prepared for him that verse is really talking about the fact that god wants to show us his wisdom his knowledge his understanding and until we read the word of god and and ask for his guidance and his leading guess what you'll never see it but like I said, as you read this Bible, if you're a Christian, as you read it, all of a sudden something will just jump off the page at you. And God will just speak to you through it. And it's amazing as you read the Word of God that God does that. I've been reading in, back in John chapter 14 and chapter 16. He talks about giving the sin and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and he will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. He will do all these things. But at the end of chapter 24 in Luke, Jesus says, it says he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. At that point, it was Jesus telling them, but now the spirit of Christ is telling them. So he leads us and guides us, number one, by his word. And then the second way he really leads us is by sanctification by growing into grace and the knowledge of lord jesus christ and i think i'm going to leave that for the next time because once i start that we're going to get in a it's going to be a little bit of period of time to do that too and by the time i do that it's going to be too long to finish that so next time i want to talk about the leading of the spirit as we are sanctified and as as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that God will confirm to us that we're his children. Like I said, he confirms it, number one, by leading us and guiding us and directing us. And number two, he's going to tell us by the way we grow. And the Bible says that even other people will know, he says by their fruits you will know them, right? You can look at people's lives and you say that person must be a christian based on the way they live and the things they do so let's pray and uh we'll finish up today and we'll uh, sing another song and then we'll be finished today father we just ask that you would just speak to your hearts today our hearts today that you would continue to grow us and lead us and guide us lord if there's not there's one here that doesn't know you we prayed that today that you would just help them to know the truth and the truth would set them free. You said that we, if we would call on your name, if we would just cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me. And then just take you at your word because you said whoever calls on your name shall be saved. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and he died in our place and he died. He took our hell. And you said that if we would believe that and trust in him and him alone, that you would forgive us and save us and take us to heaven one day and that you would give us a joy and a peace and abundant life while we're here on earth as we live for you as Christians. Father, even though we're going to have tribulation in this world, we can be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. So we thank you for that. We just ask that you would just continue to speak to our hearts about this passage and about who you are and how much you've done for us. And we'll give you all the glory and honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.